All right, welcome to the Press Play Podcast, where we basically teach you guys the ins and outs of the music industry, talk about your favorite artists, talk about the secrets of the music millionaires and industry elite, and if you are an indie artist, indie label, or a seasoned veteran, um, give you the ins and outs of what you need to be doing for your music business and how you can make that happen and achieve the success that you're actually looking for. Um, what we really understand about it is that uh, many people have the ability, if they have the termination, they have the stamina to stick it through, and they have the information. And so it takes all of these different things for you guys to be successful uh, in your music career. And so we are going to teach you that in this particular podcast, or we'll do the best that we can. Uh, if you want to know who I am, my name is SG1. I'm from the Grammy Award winning team, The Peacemakers. Uh, me and Sly Piper Jordan created The Peacemakers well over 10 years ago uh, in an attempt to become um, songwriters for the guys that we admire, the industry, you know what I mean? And we were able to achieve that uh, once we had a better understanding of how the music industry works. And so, you know, um, after we achieved it, I set out my goal to be basically to help you guys and share the information that I had because I was meeting so many different talented producers and artists and musicians and songwriters who needed and, and deserve a fair chance in the industry. But if they did not know or did not align themselves the proper way, I knew that they would not um, succeed. So I made it my duty to start a YouTube channel called Music Millionaires. And, and Music Millionaires is basically... Um, the premise to where I see you guys becoming or what I see you guys becoming. Uh, it's my way of, of basically uh, pulling my version of the secret, okay, for you guys by saying music millionaires, talking to it existence, see it and it will happen. However, let's start this way. Real quick, um, have to give a shout out to my sponsor, Distro Kid. Um, who you know is the sponsor of this show, and that's going to make this happen for you guys. Distro Kid um, is a company that I definitely recommend because, as musicians, you know one simple thing is you can have all the talent in the world, but if your music is not out there, if it's not available for people to be able to actually download it and get a hold of it, then you're you're doing it all for naught because you want to eventually monetize your money and make money from um, I guess say monetize your money, <laughs> monetize your music. And eventually make money off of your effort. Um, a lot of us have passion. We have drive. Uh, but we don't necessarily know how to get our music into the marketplace. And while there is a lot of different avenues that you can take, my recommendation is DistroKid. Um, and if you sign up um, and show support, what basically happens, if you go into our description of this podcast, you can find a link that will get you 7% off your first year. Now, let me talk about the first year real quick. The first year is only like $19.99, okay? And that gets you the opportunity to be able to distribute your music on iTunes, Napster, and all your favorite places, Deezer, Google Play Store, uh, wherever you want, basically. And it's unlimited. That's the best part about it. It's unlimited. And you're not going to find that anywhere else. So if you do nothing else... Please go show some support at Distro Kid so that we can keep these podcasts going because Distro Kid helped us pay the bills here. All right. And contrary to what you believe, even though we are music uh, millionaires, <laughs> you know, it takes money to be able to put these podcasts out to give you guys what you need. And um, you just show support by showing our sponsors some support. So if you don't mind, stop by DistroKid. 
and um, click on the link to get your VIP access. Now, with that said, I would also like to talk about if you want to show support in other ways, if you want to just dis, um, contribute a dollar or two dollars or whatever you can afford um, to us, there is a QR code in the description below. I'm working with my guy and my friend, uh, Orlando. He has a great app called Much Love. All right. And much loves allows you to be able to support your favorite artists, your band or whoever. And so, uh, guys, go to much love if you don't want to or you or you've already purchased from DistroKid. You can utilize much love to say, hey, you know, SG, appreciate what you guys are doing and you're trying to do uh, by teaching and educating us producers and musicians and artists as a whole. And uh, I would it would mean a lot to me. Uh, for you guys to do that so go down in the description you will see the qr code for much love go into the description and download the much love app to show support for us and it doesn't matter what you donate a dollar a dollar fifty two dollars it doesn't matter all of it will be appreciated and we are working with the team at much love to even make a better app so the app will be filled with oh my god so much stuff that we've talked about um to try and make it something different for you guys you know not just a you know patreon type situation and i have nothing against patreon by by far okay so i don't want you to think i do but um much love is going to be so much more than just a way that you can support your favorite band or a production team or a favorite artist uh, it will definitely be it will definitely develop into something that i think will be uh futuristic and really needed um, for fans who want to be able to have that personal connection with their favorite artist or band. So download your version of or download a version of Much Love on your phone, whether it's Android or iOS, and come show some love. Now, I know a lot of you guys are saying like, okay, SG, we have seen you on YouTube. We might follow you on Twitter. We see you on Instagram. Um, you know, why should we follow you on your podcast? And the reason why you should follow me on my pack. And so the reason why I think you should follow me on my podcast is real simple. Um, I myself uh, do a lot of traveling or when I'm working. I listen to podcasts. I listen to paranormal stuff. I listen to um, music industry stuff. I listen to YouTube stuff. I listen to a ton of stuff on podcasts. And I do it because basically when I'm driving and I do a lot of traveling or when you're on the plane, you know, you want to be entertained. And especially when you're driving, if you're driving, it's not safe to be watching videos. You can't watch videos and be driving at the same time. Um, so I think a podcast is a simplified way to get you guys the same information and expand. You know what I mean? I'm really big on expanding because one thing about YouTube is the attention level is so short uh, when it comes to video video watching. You know, if you're not putting out a documentary or if you're not actually watching a movie, little DIYs, you know, um, doesn't require or shouldn't require a lot of your time. But when you are driving and you are doing other things, more on the lawn, um, you know, a lot of times we want to be entertained. We listen to our favorite music or we listen to, you know, whatever entertains us. And so the podcast are, is just a way for us to be able to tap into you guys when you just want to maybe learn something while laying down or meditating or whatever it may be. I don't want to get too much in detail because I think you get the logist of what I'm saying. 
And um, so that's the reason behind the podcast and why we created it. Now, I think it's fair that the first episode basically be a a backstory um, because of you're going to be listening to me. You should at least get a chance to know who I am, you know, what what this is all about, where did this come from, you know. And, and for those of you who don't really know who I am or don't know my backstory, this will allow you to be able to have at least a a portion of understanding to who I am and you know, uh, it's so much more and it'd be, it's so much deeper than I can really give you in this particular episode. But I will do my best to at least give you guys a synopsis to me. And again, you know, it's, 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 oh my God, it's, it's within depth and detailed. <laughs> it's so much to share, man, and, and ups and downs and friendships and bad friendships and, bad decisions and simplicities in life and thinking you know someone and and a whole bunch of stuff that I could share but I'm not I'm not I ain't creating no haterism around here so I don't even know if that's still a word but anyway um the backstory is real simple I basically come from a Native American family um born to some parents of course I had to be born to parents but a mother and a father who both were in the military, so I'm basically a military brat per se, but I didn't get the military brat benefits, trust me, uh, because I was raised by my grandmother and grandmothers. Um, however, you know, been into music my entire life, like, you know, I did a YouTube video recently talking about that. I've always loved music. I've always loved drums. I always loved it, you know, um, the church, the church feeling and the church songs and the hymns and the, the beating of drums and all these different things. And so um, when I came of age, you know, I used to basically, uh, and for those who don't know, I was born on Davis Island, uh, with, which is within Tampa, Florida. Um, and I grew up basically constantly listening to music, you know, whether it was from my great-grandmother's uh, great-grandmother uh, to my mom, you know, growing up listening to all the old school classics, you know, you name it, I listened to it. And so um was brought up around a variety of music and different genres of music because of my heritage. And it was just inevitable that I would be in the music industry. Um, and But, you know, before getting into the music industry, I grew up like most cats my age. You know, I mean, if you're late 30s, early 40s, you know, Michael Jackson was it. You know, and the music that Michael Jackson created was it. And he would bring the craziest craziest feeling out of you uh when you was a um you know preteen and so i used to go around school right they would literally want me to go around school dancing and so i started out dancing right and i would go around with my michael jackson jacket on right and perform in school and anyone who knows me knows this right they know that i used to do this and um that just only led into i liked performing uh, i liked the feeling that i got when people were happy and I could make people happy, and they were impressed by my dancing skills. Um, and so um, when I got around about 10 or 11, my interest in music peaked even higher because my mom would have us singing uh, old spirituals like Two Wings and things like that, and um, that led into eventually me rapping. And so back then, you know, the rappers that we had, you know, was, um, you know, Curtis Blow, of course, you know, um, African Bambada, all these different pioneers of music that influenced me. 
and I liked the beat, you know, and I liked the music and um, rapping Duke, you know. <laughs> and if you guys don't know who rapping Duke is, he was a, a legend. You can Google him um, in Louisiana when I was I, I stayed briefly in Louisiana for a short time when I was younger with my mom. And so he um, played a large part of me wanting to rap. And so, um, you know, one basically day, you know, I just told my mom, like, listen, I'm, I'm going to rap. I'm make music, you know. And, um, you know, this is, you know, after all of the me beating on the walls and, you know, beating everywhere because, you know, we didn't have the finances or the money growing up that I could get everything I want. And so growing up, you know, um, some of you guys also know that breakdancing was in and the big, big old beat boxes, the big jukeboxes, the tape cassette boxes, you know, that everybody had, like the bigger the the radio, the the bigger sound you got, right? So I didn't have that. My grandmother couldn't afford that when my mom was in the service. And so, you know, I just got a little basic tape player for Christmas, you know, that I think came out of maybe Dollar General or Family Dollar or something like that. Uh, it was one of those old stores because a lot of them do exist um, from back then. And, um, you know, I would do crazy stuff. And I'm jumping around a little bit, so guys, just work with me because I'm trying to piece it all together because once you get at a certain age, it all becomes just jumbled information. But um, I used to do crazy stuff like after getting my um, radio, I would tear the the daggum speaker out cones out and put newspaper up there so I can get that rallying effect, right? <laughs> and the more I think about it, that was crazy because my mom was be mad at me, man, because I would just tore up a daggum tape player that, you know, she spent their, her money on sent it to my grandmother or my, I don't know who bought it, but I know my grandmother presented it with me, but I used to do stuff like that. So, um, I decided to, uh, I wanted to rap, you know, and, and one thing that I always say my mom did was support me in my music. And so when I decided to rap, I put out my first song and, and when I did this guys, let me tell you something. First song that I put out, um, uh, which was called love is not a toy literally. And now what did a 12 year old know about love at that time? outside of just having crushes, which I did. Um, I remember recording it in a, the studio and my mom had a friend, his name was Andre Walker, and he played in a band. And uh, I think the band name was Sensitivity, I think. And uh, I recorded it and I remember like dealing, I remember the ADATs, I remember the reel to reel because I still have the first reel to reel guy. I kept my reel to reel that I had and um, I recorded my song, Love Is Not A Toy. And um, from from there, my mom actually financed my first cassette tape. And I would go to radio stations, you know, and, and at the time in Tampa, there was a radio station called WTMP. And uh, um, do interviews, you know what I mean? And then we had underground radio stations for those who know Tampa. And... Um, that's where it started, you know, and, and at that time, you know, and I'll be honest with you, at that time, uh, my name was Slippy D, and that's a whole nother story. I, I got that name from actually playing basketball and slipping and breaking my elbow, okay? So, <laughs> I went by Slippy D, um, and for, you know, those who, who, who want to know where the D comes from, is because my first name started with a D before I changed it. Uh, my very first name uh, because I wasn't satisfied with my first name when I got older I did change it but um, you know that's how I got started and so from there uh, my first tape led to me um, 
working with my godfather who um and my cousin his name is um daryl underwood and he had underwood records and he was producing a group uh, he produced several different groups actually um he was producing well no let me back, back up he actually used to be a promoter in tampa and he would promote and bring in different artists and uh promote those shows you know so i got a chance to meet like the 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 real guys you know what i mean like the real guys um when I say the real guys like MCADE and Chub Rock and, and all these guys that were popular at the time. And um, and I'm skipping so much. Oh, my God. Because I, I almost forgot that me and my sister had a group. We had a group called the Nugget Crew uh, at, before that. <laughs> so I'm, you guys got to forgive me, man. You know, the older you get, a lot of stuff you 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 omit. But uh, me and my sister started rapping. My older sister, Cheryl. And uh, we had a group called the Nugget Crew uh, before that, before my godfather. And uh, my sister was big on gold. And for, you know, you guys who are my age, you know, you know, it was the, the thing back then, the big gold chains and all this other stuff. And so she loved gold nuggets. So we basically were a brother and sister group. And we basically walked around with a bunch of gold on our necks and, and gold nuggets, you know. And um, uh, eventually my sister got older and started having family and friends. And so, uh, like I said, um, got with my godfather and um was with with him and learning the music business per se and you know how promotion went and things like that and he eventually decided to create his first record label uh underwood records and he had signed several artists over the years one being mc gator he had the party boys and quad force which i became a part of uh started out as a dancer and then you know um started doing music Yes, and I made that transition from doing my own music to dancing because back then, you know, to be a pop the D boy was the ish, right? So, <laughs> you know, uh, and I know you guys are gonna be laughing at me, but hey, this is the backstory. I'm giving you the backstory. Anyway, um, left the, uh, um, you know, Party Boys Quad Force. We dropped uh, a couple albums under Attitude Records, which was our distributor. Uh, I think Jeff Cohen was the CEO and he was out of Jacksonville. And, um, that led me to meeting so many different guys and, and great friends that I, you know, I came to call friends from the 69 boys to tag team to doing shows with Heavy D and Salt and Pepper, who I got a lot of great information from when I was younger, um, to eventually, uh, working with, um, Two Live Crew through Disco Rick and the dogs um and got a chance to meet so many guys you know chris and jt money and all these guys growing up and i was legit i don't even know if they remember me man i was so young at the time but uh all those experiences led into me um venturing out on my own and being picked up by one of my um relatives one of my cousins uh lc sneed and uh, L.C. Sneed was literally my cousin, and he worked for Warner Brothers. And um, I think he dealt with, at the time, I think uh, he dealt with, um, I think he was either A&R or he, he dealt with promotion for Warner, Warner Brothers, but he did it for, like, so long. He, I think he when, he, when he retired, he passed away because he was running the record label, which was Bound Sound Records, him and Jonathan Black out of Miami. And so... Um, I signed with LC and uh, a partner of mine. We signed as uh, Skin to Win. And we were basically doing shows and we released songs and stuff like that. 
And then um, at that time, Sly was doing shows as well. Sly was playing the saxophone, and he was doing music, playing the saxophone. He was a jazz player, actually. Sly was a jazz player, and he went to school for um, music and all this other good stuff. But anyway, um, so me and um, this guy Shane, we created um, um, Skin to Win, and we put out... Uh, um, a single called lap dance it was the very first lap dance uh of course because you know here i just come out of the whole two life crew party boys era where everything was explicit and um you know of course lap dance would be that song for me and you mind you i'm still fairly young and now at this time i'm going by the name mad dog and so um um put the song out me and him it was the first and only song that we really did together we did a bunch of shows though which was the fun part uh and then i put out my own single um called slang that bottom and forgive me i'm in the office with my children in the next room waiting on me to finish with my wife well she's actually taking care of some business for me but too much information sg <laughs> anyway uh put out a song called slang that bottom with a friend of mine called devastator and most of you guys might know devastator uh, if you heard of him, he was super producer at that time for Miami Bass. He was working with Two Life Crew. He did Shake What Your Mama Gave You for JT Money. He did, um, um, who, oh my God, was it? He did, I think he did songs for, no, no, he didn't do, uh, Kilo. Who was it that did that song, uh, Half Pint? He did some songs for Half Pint, you know, who had a song, Half Pint, which would hold that leg up. Um, he did a ton of stuff, and so I got the opportunity to work with Devastator. And at that time, he was going by Devastator X. His real name is uh, Kenneth Terry. Um, I think it was Terry, yeah. And um, was my best friend for a while because he gave me the ins and outs of the music industry, and he taught me so much, and he put me in you know, real relationships with artists, you know what I mean? Like he literally uh, put me in contact with the guys who helped me hone in on my songwriting, how to rap, how to approach the music, how to approach the the um, the beat, you know, all of the different things, man. He literally gave me that science and uh, I can never forget Devastator. You know, I gotta find out where he's at. Um, but anyway, so fast forward, um, the song got put out. Matter of fact, it was on, it got put out and my first sync placement came through that song, Slang That Bottom, because it was literally on one of the biggest uh, movies out that came out, which was Bring It On. I don't know if you guys remember the little uh, white girl, I think it was Alicia Silverstone. She came out and she's not uh, young no more, but she had a movie out that was very large, her and Stacey Dash. And so that was my very first sync placement. Um, job, which I did not do properly because it was quite some time, guys, before I even understood that I was supposed to be making money off that stuff because I was so accustomed to just making money off of my shows, right? And looking for royalty checks. But you can't get a royalty check if you don't have your PRO stuff together and you're not letting your PRO know that you have music placed, which I did not know at that time. I did not know that the music was synced or placed on TV. So I lost a ton of revenue on that, guys, literally. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. It was a learning experience that allowed me to be able to be the person I am now and tell you guys what I'm teaching you now. Uh, so, you know, fast forward. Um, 
me and Sly got together um, later on as I was transitioning out of music. I was pretty much tired, fed up because I was going through these growing pains of not making money and getting my placements. Um, and at that time, Sly was um, just getting into the music industry real heavy. He um, was working with a guy named Baleo Muhammad, who was a friend of his, and um, he was ghostwriting basically for Baleo Muhammad. And, you know, so much could be said about that. But me and Sly teamed up because I had this experience. He knew I knew, you know, somewhat of the music business and promotion and stuff like that. He also knew that I had the Miami bass flavor and style still embedded in me uh, from my experience. And so we decided as family to, you know, create the Peacemakers, which was a representation of where we was in our life with uh, becoming um, conscious and awoke and, um, you know, trying to do what was right by the universe. And so the, cre the the Peacemakers was born. And of course, there's so much more to that backstory, but I'm not trying to be here for a week giving it to you guys. Um, but we created the Peacemakers and we, you know, were working with uh, several different people in the industry that, you know, was really pivotal to the creation of the Peacemakers and the success that we had. But none more important than us learning and understanding that it was just a matter of time for us. We believed that it was not just our skill set that would make it. We believe that it was a universal law in place that that the universe was lined up for us, you know, literally, for us to be successful. There was no possible way that I had all this experience in the music industry and and Sly had all this experience in the the industry and was and was um, um, blessed by the ancestors to be put in that position with Baleo Muhammad. The thing was, like I said, was how was we eating? Because that was the thing. We saw everyone else growing and prospering off of late night sessions and things that we was doing and, and, and um, tracks that we were making. But we weren't, you know what I mean? We weren't eating, you know what I mean? Whatever eating we did do, it was, you know, you know, being able to go and pay some bills and, and then, you know, take wifey out to splurge on you know maybe some dinner or something but it wasn't nothing that you know had us driving mercedes benzes or living in mansions you know we still had to, a, a real big struggle and um all that happened while being in tampa um and it was so much more to it but eventually uh me and sly moved uh, into georgia and that move catapulted um us staying together for a while and 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 having to grind you know, of being brothers and trying to make it work, being each, you know, being of each other and for each other. Um, and so, you know, everything that we did was shared, you know, whatever hustles we had, whatever money we bought in, it was shared because it was about feeding our babies. Um, and we understood, you know, I mean, that the world was going to be against us, but we also understood that as long as we had each other, you know, we could do this, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't an issue. We just all had, we had to both had to play our part. And then we had other people that we, you know, bought in that was, you know, some of Sly's old friends that he grew up with and, and people that he had met uh, over the years and, and relationships that he had built and vice versa, you know. Uh, however, what was real pivotal to us was 
knowing that we needed to understand the business better. And so as I learned, you know, marketing promotion, which I was great at because it's so much more to my backstory. I didn't share, um, you know, Sly started understanding publishing and was understanding, you know, what his worth was as a songwriter and how we could use that for uh, us. And so eventually what became evident was that we needed to have clarity on the music business and in order for us to be successful we really needed to have that clarity on the music business while at the same time you know having all these great placements you know because at that time we were working and had worked for a lot of different people uh you know jessica simpson uh jojo uh the ojs donnell jones jaheem um a ton of placements that you know through um sly's connections and um whatnot we were getting that was you know you know again you know paying bills but it wasn't something that was putting us over that threshold or top um and then sean kingston happened um we got opportunity to write for sean kingston and the sean kingston project was something different it was next level for us because it got leaked and it blew up so fast that there was no real time to real adjust for nobody. Like, I don't even think the, the labels and them really was expecting Deshaun Kingston, a beautiful girl, to go as, as far as it went, but it did. And, um, when it did, you know, things changed for us slightly. You know, monetarily things changed. Um, things got a lot better. And, as um you know these projects that we were doing for others came into play of course we was working constantly with various people you know what i mean a variety of people um over the years and so you know my part became one simply you know getting our project off the ground which was the peacemakers uh and you know putting out our own album at the time uh which was a conscious awoke album for those who were you know conscious and awoke so you know we we dropped some um great music that was relevant to today but just did it in a way that was conscious and it was well received and so you know we sold a lot of albums off that and it helped keep the bills and lights going and um eventually you know what happened was just make a long story short um at some point through all of our efforts you know they there became an opportunity to work with dr dre um, and I think because uh, a lot was going on at that time in Dre's life, um, you know, Warren G was at this time, unbeknownst to us, you know, he was going through his thing and was having issues. And I think Warren was really the go-to guy for Dre at that time when it came to a lot of um, referencing and writing, you know, him and DOC. Um, you know, but of course that's behind the scene type information we didn't find out till later on. But uh, lo and behold, I uh, got opportunity to work with Dre. Sly was in California and, you know, gave me that call, right? And he gave me the call and was like, listen, bro, it's, it's on. And uh, at that time, I was in Macon, Georgia, uh, working out of our studio that we had on, uh, I think it was, was it Houston Avenue? I think it was on Houston Avenue we had our studio there, which is also where I met my wife. And um, basically, from there, you know, it was all downhill you know um he wound up 
coming out to Georgia was like, you know, he really didn't give me too much information. Was just like, listen, need you in California. We got, let's get it. It's time to go. Let's work. And basically, you know, me and my wife basically left everything and went to California. <laughs> Can't make that up, literally, you know. Uh, but what we did, we, we drove to California, to be honest. We, we didn't fly. We drove because I wanted to do a cross-country trip. Um, it was my first time going to California, and I really wanted to enjoy the moment. And, and through that, we got a chance to see so much. Got a chance to, you know, uh, visit different tribes, and which is, of course, my thing. Uh, we got a chance to drive through Biggest Hill, Texas, and then I got a chance to see the Grand Canyon, which is one of the things that I wanted to do. It was on my bucket list, and I've done it, uh, but wanted to see the Grand Canyon, and we did all those things, you know. And then we got to California, and really, things really picked up, and just, yeah, it was it was a great experience, great time. And there's so much more to this story, guys, of course, but I'm not going to share all of it right now with you man i just wanted to give you guys a back a story to me my life so you'll know who you're dealing with and um gave you a small premise of our lives and and how we uh came to be and how i became the uh peacemakers and how i became sg1 from the peacemakers and uh i just think that backstories are so important when you're getting a chance to know someone and you're putting your trust um in someone to teach you uh, the proper way um, to get your business together. You know what I mean? I think it's so important that you get a, guys get a chance to know me and um, at least hear a portion of my backstory um, and understand that um, there was nothing special about us. You know, I have plenty of musicians in my family. I'm related to a lot of musicians, um, some of the people that are classics, some of the, the old heads. But um, more more than anything, just that, we were just like you, you know, and, and yes, I've started in music quite some time and for a very long time, but I want you to understand that it was not until we got into our thirties that we found success. And it was a, it was a long time, um, in the making, but eventually it did happen. Um, but it only happened because of us becoming informed and us putting in the work and making the sacrifices and being for and by each other and eventually it popped off and it was uh one of the things that when uh and let me just add this it was our our um relationship as brothers is one of the things that dre told me privately about he admired because i you know again i didn't know dre's story i didn't know he lost his brother um you know, he said, you know, it was something that him and his brother had. And so it has meant so much to me and it told me so much to, you know, got a chance to really get an insight to Dre and who he was um, and what drove him as well. However, all right, guys, well, listen, you know, I'm going to wrap this podcast up and I appreciate you guys listening and getting a chance to know me and getting a chance to know where I come from and, and, and my story, man, you know, and what made me SG1. Um I hope it wasn't too long and drawn out in detail, but, you know, I, I thought it was just appropriate to give the or make the first episode of this podcast one where you guys can truly get a chance to know me. Because truly, unless you got on the phone with me and we've talked personally, you don't know this part about me. Uh, and like I said, there's so much that I omitted out of that conversation and so much I will continue to omit um, for a while until I decide to write my book. 
<laughs> you got to write that book. But I'm not ready to write my book because I still have so much life to live um, and left. And you only write the book in the autobiography when you think you're getting ready to die. You got to pull a Quincy Jones on the ass, right? So um, thank you guys for listening to this particular episode. And I promise you, man, this particular episode was a special one. It's, it's going to be the first one. And the rest of them won't be like this, okay? It won't be just dreary talk about me, talking about myself and my you know, my past, you know, even though some of my past is pertinent to teaching you guys what I need to teach you and what I'm trying to uh, relate to you when it comes to the music industry. However, I appreciate you guys listening and don't forget to visit some of our sponsors at the bottom. Don't forget to click on that Distro Kid link and much love if you want to show support because um, it helps us keep these things going. Uh, I don't want to be taking money out my children's uh, mouth or excuse me, money out my children's pocket or food out their mouth uh, to help people who may or may not find what we have uh, interesting or worthy enough to even listen. You know, but so if, if you find that this podcast and everything that we're doing is something that you want to support, you can support for as little as a dollar. It doesn't matter. Uh, I just appreciate whatever you give. Um, but with that said, man, always remember I live by the philosophy always, as I was told um, by a relative of mine that has been doing music for quite some time, that music is life and music is business. Music is always around us. So with that said, we're out. <laughs>